I'm going to direct your eyes to an opening passage of Scripture. It'll anchor really everything that we'll talk about tonight. But I do want to be succinct, meaning that I'm going to be relying on some just beautiful, uh, very concise language that Christie printed out. Some of you may have read it today. Uh, but because it's so well written, I'm going to take slices out of it that help us to focus. And the teaching, though, will be grounded fairly, I think, in all of these areas that will be our focus in Isaiah. And so I want you to turn to Isaiah 5. And the verse that we're going to go to is 20. See if this sounds like where we are as a nation. I think you'll agree that it does. Chapter 1, which I took on a couple of Fridays ago, sounds like a headline for today. But listen to this verse. See which political party would try to use this one to get elected. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And that's the conclusion that I want to simply be able to say emphatically is that that's what we find as a nation our problem is. The problem is when deviating from God's word and endeavoring to confound his will for the people then there is what we would say a violation of both morality and ethics. People don't do what is pleasing before the Lord because they are, and this word is appropriate, being indoctrinated contrary to the heart of God. See, indoctrination, we think of it politically. We know that it's been used it's used usually in nations that are referred to as communistic or truly fascist. It is when an innocent people group become corrupted by a policy that is against their liberty and freedom. And they basically, by consent or threat, resign what the conscience would say is not right to give up. That's kind of what we see. But when you look at it, it certainly seems like a contemporary posting. It seems to be like an analysis of major news today. It's been going on for a while. It actually has been. Satan's been at work for quite a while on this one. So if I go back to 2000. That year in particularly, I saw changes even back then. That's like, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's 22 years ago. 
Now, for the younger people, it's, that seems like eternity. But for us older people, it seems like, you're kidding. I know exactly where I was, what I was doing. And I was an older man, not a younger man. You know? I think that at that time, I was coming out of Mexico in 98. I would have been 41. So I was just moving slightly into my 40s. I mean, it, was just, it just seemed like yesterday. But this word here identifies the problem and why we as a nation need to pray. Most imp- And a nation, I, I said that intentionally, not simply just as a church. We as a nation need to pray. You know, praise God for those whom the Lord is raising up with a heart for God. They're principled in the word. They are those who manage their household well. And their desire is that we honor the heart of the forefathers of our nation in terms of what it meant to be in possession of such a great land and to be governed by God and to be governed in a manner in which liberties are afforded. But there's a difference between liberties that are afforded and immorality and unethical behavior that is licensed. And that's, that's our problem. We're licensing everything. We're letting everything that God would say is unallowable, not acceptable to be accepted. And it is a means by which the Lord, I think, can draw our attention when we say, what is going on? The Lord would say, I know precisely what's going on. You're moving into secular humanism. You're becoming godless. You're going the way of nations preceding you. You're not getting better, getting worse. You're not moving in righteousness. You're giving leeway to wickedness. So that's something that I wanted to be able to say as an anchor for you and to address, for instance, tonight, one of the things that we should be praying about and that's become evident in the last two days, a leak, which is unethical, maybe illegal. I hope it is. It should have been. Because what has happened is an adjudication that was with very sensitive and critical ears on it. You know, as you know, the Supreme Court moves in hearing cases and then they're permitted to go into their chambers and each person is to be able to meditate, to consider the facts, weigh in, make a vote, and then someone's assigned to write a general letter that gives consent or objection, which would be the minority party. And so on this, as you know, the issue was on overturning Roe versus Wade. It was an argument that the federal court moved to basically uh, permit back in 1973, and that was for abortion. The reason that abortion is an unfortunate word is because it really is murder. 
and our nation needs to come to terms with what that means. Presently, 63 million babies have been aborted, or really, the word would say, murdered in the womb. And as some of you know, that has become now arguably a point of, huh, well, when does life begin, and when is it allowable to take this life? Well, from God's perspective, it's unallowable completely, because we believe that in the scriptures that life begins at conception, not marked by weeks, not even marked by a heartbeat. It begins at conception. Anyone who studies the sciences of life knows that that is a living being. This is an interesting fact. In 1940, there was a law, federal law, that was initiated that protected the bald eagle. I'm sure you were aware of that fact. It became a federal crime that if a bald eagle was killed, that individual that did so could be prosecuted. Back in 1940, a fine of $10,000. It could be both a civil violation in which you didn't mean to do it, or a federal violation in which it was with malicious intent. Both of them had fines that would increase depending on which one of those you were guilty of. But did you know that even a feather found on you that belonged to a bald eagle was indictable? <laughs> I was just riding my bike and this feather came down from the air. There's some bird on the pole up there and it landed in my helmet. I got pulled over my bicycle for having my brake light out, but I don't even have a brake light. He saw the feather and said I was a... At any rate. <laughs> and so you could be hauled off your bicycle, fined probably for shooting, should of having a light on it, but you would be technically trying to defend yourself for having a bald eagle's feather in your bicycle helmet on you. Back then it was, you're guilty, you got a feather in your hat. It wasn't a Yankee Doodle feather either. In 1962, it was amended to include the Golden Eagle, which we see in California. And the fines became more severe. And in 1972, it moved into a $250,000 fine with two years incarceration in a federal prison under one of those two. Do you see what we do for just one bird that is seemingly a patron bird of our democracy, but that's one bird, and since that time there aren't a lot of them that people risk taking, and they are in fact punished severely, but 63 million babies and it's no big deal. I don't say that with this audience in mind, it is a big deal. So. This case right now, obviously, it was an intentional and political vice that took it out of confidentiality. That person should be able to be prosecuted. They should be able to be 
find they should lose if they are a lawyer their basically license to practice it it should be a severe penalty for breaching confidentiality i wonder if though we say that's not so bad truth got out truth was released and the people get to know now what's going on behind closed doors well the reason that those are intentionally closed doors is because in this case it protects a decision that in its time will be released. And what we know this is to do is to disturb civil order and create disorder and distraction. I point that out because one of the things that we had on our table back there for this National Day of Prayer is to pray for leaders and elected officials in our government. Government functions to provide a framework for an organized society, while our devotion and compass for what is true and good are rooted in the unchanging truths of God laid out in Scripture. On this National Day of Prayer, and in one of the hugest issues that now is before us, is to reconcile such a terrible precedent that was set in establishing the right of abortion. We need to pray that both it is overturned and it moves in the direction of the states. Why is that better than the federal agency? Because as governors change and the citizenry of states change on a smaller level, you'll get to see laws that then become the voice truly of the people on a very personal level. Some states will resist, but the majority, I don't know if you knew this, there's, there's becoming now a groundswell of legislation to protect the life of the unborn. And that's a good thing that's happening. But it says this in terms of the praying for our country. And I want to move back to this. And then I'll slide over to the next. In this rendering of scripture, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. First Peter 2.16.17. It says, honor the emperor. It doesn't say agree with him. And one of the best ways that we can honor those who are in positions of authority governing is to present them before the Lord in their dishonor. We honor actually them by coming to the Lord in their dishonor, and there is. We have both governors, we've had presidents that have made executive decisions that are dishonorable, causing much in terms of problems for the people and we can pray for them. So that's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. But in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, I urge that requests, prayers, 
intercession and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So this is really where the only word that I can think of cleverly is replacement, theology. We replace those who are not of God, who are in fact malicious and not representing the people. And by the way, our unborn are people waiting to be born, waiting to take a place in society. We're able to pray for them. And the change that we're seeing is effectual change and spiritual change. We're not to give up. When a land is in rebellion, Proverbs 28.2, it has many rulers, but with a discerning and knowledgeable person it endures. See, we're to pray for knowledgeable and discerning people so that what God did establish can continue in honoring him. It's not too late to turn. We know that the times are closing as far as what God is doing and ultimately leading people to be able to accept in faith the opportunity to be saved from this wickedness and to be enjoined to a family eternally. But I wanted to anchor us at least on that, and especially because this is headline news where we know that a decision must be rendered without cowardice. We want to pray for the acceptation of it or for certainly the voice of the quiet to be heard loudly, that it's time to take a defense nationally on the premise of being a spiritual nation, one nation under God, and to say enough is enough. We're not going to permit this to continue without a check and balance until literally, if you can protect an eagle for the sake of one feather that might have fallen into your cap and made you a felon, then we can certainly protect the next child within the womb. And we can give them the same protection that has the same consequence if that's what is necessary to say, we're not doing this anymore. We're not participating in this. That's called infanticide, when the life of a child is no longer distinguished as valuable and worthy. So in the next area, which I want to as well just cite, and I'm only reading excerpts from this, praying for the body of Christ. So that's who we are tonight. We're very effective in what it is we're doing for, I believe, our placement in the church. And the church has the need of becoming vital again, a resurgence, if you would, of what two years has had a dynamic effect, unfortunately, regarding. There are people who have become sleepy, people who have become, if you would, quite confident in being a part from the body, not a part of the body, but being a part from the body, separated, quite comfortable. I don't agree with it. The church unites all believers in the proclamation of faith in Christ Jesus. There are many denominations and practices, but it's one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, Ephesians 4, verses 5 
through six. A healthy church is a powerful tool that God uses to bring people into salvation and a community that continues to spurn one another on in faith, or inspire would be another word. We need to cover our churches in prayer because there are many distractions that could prevent a church from living in the fullness of God's design. Is a church too focused on perceived image? Is it meeting the challenges that our culture truly has today? Humbly seeking biblical healing and justice. And so part of that is what we're doing tonight. We're prioritizing God's word and we're prioritizing the worship of God. Jesus said in Matthew 28, familiar to you, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 12 verses 4 and 5 for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And so we're to take this very seriously and see ourselves as potentially the difference between men and women in positions of governance who make decisions that honor the Lord, or make decisions ignorant of the Lord. We want those that are ignorant to understand greatly what the Lord has given them charge of. So that's the body of Christ. Praying for the families. God established families at the foundation of the world, creating Eve from Adam's bone and growing children from their union. And so this doesn't need, I think, much emphasis except that marriages have been attacked uh, Culturally, we now are redefining what marriages are about. We are trying to reconfigure gender identity. Those are blasphemies, in my opinion. They cannot hold up to biblical uh, patterns and what God certainly has intended as far as families go. And we want to be able to say, perhaps sympathetically, but unapologetically, that isn't right. God designed for a family to be instituted by a man and a woman in holy wedlock and to propagate, to have children to raise as unto the Lord. It's not two guys. It's not two women. It is not polygamy. It is a union that is to capture both the strength, the sensitivity, and the spiritual complexities of two very unique people. The family is important. And so we've made a lot of unfortunate consent. In what level? The judiciary. The judiciary actually is the institution that is to be able to rightly judge, and they haven't. They have become legislators. We've heard that before. It's true. So we need to come back to an understanding of what does it mean to be a family and to not apologize for what God has designed specifically that is gender-specific. And it's nonsense in terms of what is being called good and acceptable when in fact it's evil. Just because you put a man in a female swimsuit 
and he's calling himself whatever he wants to, it doesn't make it right. It's quite unfair and it's quite confusing. And he deserves only one pronoun and not multiple pronouns which confuse the area even more. And it's sad because right now he has been both honored and esteemed, but there are a lot of people as well, especially young female athletes, that are very steamed at him for taking away their time as trained athletes. He's not a woman, he's a man. Bruce Jenner's not a woman, he's a man. And now a rather ugly man. Well, yeah. He at one time was a very handsome man, but he definitely is an ugly man now. The education of the young people, homeschooling is really actually I, as I've heard, statistically exponentially growing because parents are tired of what is not being taught in school and especially the vacating of God from the school. And so this is a part of our prayer commitment is to pray for the young people. Can young people do well in public schools that are highly secular? Yes, if they're raised in godly homes and they, without compromise, enter into that zone and shine the light. Because I was a public educator. I was with secular teaching professionals, but I was also with highly spiritual teaching professionals. And I also had parents in those school systems that prayed for me as a classroom teacher. They were very effective, ultimately, in what they achieved by praying for me. Again, a Christian, but really not shining as bright as I could have. I was a good teacher, but I could have been a far more impacting person in the spirit. That caught hold of in the last three years of my teaching. And I appreciated those parents who stuck it out with me. And I was a good person to stick it out with. And I believe that their prayers and the means by which their young kids influenced me in their love and in their devotion to God played the very important transition that I made within three years of my teaching experience. So education of the young. We need to pray that school system changes. We need to see that God is welcomed back into the school system. And I do believe we have some votes on that. And I think Satan just got kicked out of the school system. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but there was a good news club. There was the satanic church that wanted to have a statue of him and a club put into the school system. And parents got him kicked out, so that's good. And then closing on this are the businesses and the workplaces here to pray for. You know, businesses that are especially in commerce and touching people that come in to visit with them, very important to be praying for. You know, we have businessmen and women here today, and that place that God has given to them is very influential in the greetings that they give to their customers coming in, salutations what it is that those customers need that they can provide. 
Very important. We need to pray for businesses to be thriving as really established Christian works. And you're not working people over. That's not it. It's not a flytrap. You're just projecting the love of God, doing what it is that you love, that God's rewarding you for. You know? Dennis and Rebecca have an art store that is very effective in shining the light through the joy of those who literally are visionaries in that realm in which God's blessed them and they love paints and they love pencils, canvases and frames. What a great place to be able to express the love of God. Other expressions as well. We want to pray for our business people, whatever business. We've got people involved in lumber, the mill. They need to be prayed for. Variety of vocations. You know where you're at. For our coffee shop managers. Brett's been very effective. It's interesting. He got worked on by customers that came from this church. And he has flourished as one who got that spotlight in his eye. And he became a real Jesus lover. He manages and he does so loving the Lord. And he's been put through testings and trials. And he's still serving a cup of coffee that's guaranteed to satisfy. But ultimately, it's because he knows that God satisfies. And he's making all of his decisions based on that. I knew that the Spirit of God was on him the day that a wind came and blew down like a stack of 10 plastic milk crates. And he was handling them like Pele, the soccer player. He'd kick one, it would come up to his arm, grab another one, scoop, like collecting cats and chickens in a soccer player. I was going, man, that guy's got the spirit of God on him. <laughs> so we're to be praying for businesses, and we're to do so because they are an important expression that God uses in our communities to affect people that both take joy in what they're receiving Here's a great one for business owners. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father, Colossians 3.17. And then it says, It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, or that means fair and reasonable service. That's a cool word. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates, Proverbs 31. Verse 31, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And the Lord simply is saying that you're entrusted with much. You've got an opportunity to reveal much about God. And so we want to pray for really every man and woman that is employed within the community. And even if you may not be the owner of the business, you're linked to the business. And you can pray for the business. 